and it looks like we are live. Welcome back, everybody, uh, anyone who's watching this, to uh, our second episode of This Week in Privacy, um, a weekly show where we cover the latest updates with what's what we're working on within the Privacy Guides community, the team, that kind of thing. Um, and then this week's top stories in the data privacy and cybersecurity space. So to get us started, I'll remind anyone who's watching this for the first time, Privacy Guides is a nonprofit which researches and shares privacy-related information, and we have a community on our forum and matrix where people can ask questions and get, get advice about staying private online, preserving your digital rights, all that kind of thing. Uh, so to start off this week, uh, no real big updates from the team to share. It's been a bit of a slow week. Um, it's the holiday season coming up and <laughs> not like any of us get paid to do this. So uh, no major stuff that we're working on right now, but hopefully we'll have more to share soon. Um, as far as changes to the, changes to the site, new recommendations goes, um, we wanted to highlight Brave Browser's forgetful browsing feature. This feature has been out for a while, um, but basically what it does is when you enable it, it uh, clears cookies, site data, any other storage um, use that a site has every single time that you close a website. So you don't have to um, clear your cookies every time. And the benefit of this feature in Brave is that it allows you to set per site exceptions for um, sites that you want to stay logged into as well. So we really think that this is a cool privacy feature that Brave has added because taking a default deny approach to um, allowing things to store things on your computer and only like whitelisting um, sites that you use a lot, sites that you maybe trust more, is definitely a more private approach to handling uh, storing anything on your device um, as far as that goes. So that's been on a while, um, but it's just something that we're adding to our Brave configuration guides. If you want to look in your Brave Shield settings, there's a forget me when I close this site option that you can enable. And I would definitely recommend checking that out. Um, there's a whole discussion on the forum if you have any questions about how that works. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it as far as, uh, Change to the site goes, it's a slow week uh, for what we're working on at Privacy Guides, but it has not been a slow week in privacy news, so we'll get into news from around this industry next. Um, in a follow-up to last week's news on uh, Apple and Google revealing that the government had been requesting push notification information secretly for a very long time, um, Reuters is now reporting that Apple will require a judge's consent to hand over push notification data. Um, so in this article, they say that Apple has said it now requires a judge's order to hand over information about its customers' push notifications to law enforcement, which puts the iPhone maker's policy in line with rival Google and raising the hurdle that officials must clear to get app data about users. Google said in a statement that it had always required judicial approval to hand over this kind of information. So. This whole push notification story, uh, as it goes on, has been a pretty big L on Apple's end of things. Um, it's pretty unfortunate that they weren't proactive about challenging this kind of thing. Um, and it seems like they were handling it even worse than Google, which is, which is saying something for sure. So at least they fixed it after we all found out about it, right? <laughs> um, speaking of getting judge's approval for things. Um, as reported by Ars Technica, CVS, Rite Aid, Walgreens, and other 
big pharmacy chains uh, hand out medical information to cops without warrants. Um, all the big pharmacy chains in the U.S. hand over sensitive medical records to law enforcement without a warrant, and some will do so without even running the request by a legal professional, according to a congressional investigation. That's a quote from this Ars Technica article here. They include the seven largest pharmacy chains in the country, CVS Health, Walgreens Boots Alliance, Cigna, OptumRx, Walmart Stores Inc., The Kroger Company, and Rite Aid Corporation. The lawmakers also spoke with Amazon Pharmacy. Um, pretty big violation of personal privacy in this case. So if you um, get prescriptions from any of these large chains, that might be something to be aware of. It seems like this is something that is pretty commonplace uh, throughout the industry for whatever reason. Um, and it doesn't seem like a lot of people know that this is going on. So definitely something to look into further. Um, also reported by Ars Technica, courts in the U.S. have ruled that suspects may refuse to provide phone passcodes to police. Um, this is something that uh, privacy advocates and other like digital rights activists like the EFF have been saying for a very long time, but it's never really been definitively proven in court. In this case, um, in this case, Utah's state Supreme Court is uh, the court that has ruled that criminal suspects can refuse to provide phone passcodes to police under the Fifth Amendment privilege against self-incrimination. So that is a very good um, precedent to set in court for sure. Um, Ars Technica notes that the questions addressed in the ruling could eventually be taken up by the U.S. Supreme Court, um, either through a review of this case or a similar one, so it's not, you know, the final say as all of these court cases go, but this is a very big court case as far as proving that, um, that argument is, uh, valid in law, so definitely a very good improvement here. Um, and then in our final bit of privacy-related news, not all the news for this week, but um, Vice reports that Congress is pulling a bill that would massively expand surveillance after a dramatic showdown with uh, privacy advocates. So uh, it seems like the House of Representatives was set to vote on two competing bills that reauthorized uh, Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. Um, the House of Representatives will not vote on these two proposed surveillance bills um, after the Rules Committee pulled both of them from the vote. Um, the Section 702 of uh, the FISA, Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, um, can compel domestic communications companies uh, like your ISPs to assist in surveilling non-U.S. individuals who are outside the country by providing access to their communication streams. Um, this was pretty big news in the privacy community earlier this week, and then this news article came out just uh, just a few days after that, so it seems like, thankfully, that's not going to be an issue for now, and it just is a good sign as to why we have to keep an eye on this kind of thing. Um, it's a good thing that, you know, in this case, we were able to, there was enough pushback to stop uh, this bill from going forward, but I'm sure this is something that we're going to see crop up again in some other bills that they try to propose very soon. So we'll see how that works out, but safe for now. Um, moving on to security-related news, um, 
a bit late for this article, but it was a pretty big uh, vulnerability vulnerability that was discovered, so I wanted to bring it up. Um, Ars Technica reports that just about every Windows and Linux device is vulnerable to a new logo fail firmware attack. So this is an attack in the UEFI of uh, almost all uh, PCs out there where a malicious um, logo that you would see like the manufacturer's logo, for example, during boot up, um, that image could be changed to execute arbitrary code um, very early in the boot up process. Um, so what they say is that hundreds of Windows and Linux computer models from virtually all hardware makers are vulnerable to a new attack that executes malicious firmware early in the boot up sequence, a feat that, that allows infections that are nearly impossible to detect or remove using current defense mechanisms. Um, when I was reading this, something that came to mind is that this is probably going to have a pretty big impact in the used computer market space because um, now we're in kind of a situation where you could buy a used computer that's maybe infected with this, for example, and even if you do everything right, like wiping the operating system, um, reinstalling the operating system from scratch, doing everything, you could still be infected with this kind of persistent malware that's um, brought in through uh, this malicious payload in the UEFI boot-up sequence um, that can like reinstall malware basically on your operating system even after you wipe everything. And this kind of thing is very difficult to, de to detect. Um, the reporting in this article um, kind of coincides with a major coordinated uh, security vulnerability patch that was that I think all of the major uh, hardware makers have released now. So if you have a computer, I uh, just wanted to bring this to your attention that you should definitely go and check out your manufacturer's uh, UEFI or BIOS updates um, because they should have um, either this week or last week released a patch to fix this issue and hopefully uh, prevent similar issues going forward. So definitely go and check that out. Um, in other security news for iPhone users, um, in iOS 17.2 that was released earlier this week, uh, I'm, the, Apple finally released the contact key verification feature that they promised um, a year ago. So if you don't remember, um, back in December 2022, Apple promised a lot of new security features, really bringing iOS and all other platforms up to par with what a lot of other uh, companies were already providing. Um, so that included like features like lockdown mode and of course this feature which provides extra authentication for the end-to-end -end encryption being used in iMessage. Um, so this feature which was announced a year ago promises to drastically improve the security of your iMessages through two technologies, key transparency and manual contact key verification. Um, this is something that iPhone users should take advantage of by opting into verification in iMessage in their Apple ID settings because this is a non-default feature. You do have to opt in. And even if you're not going to be performing manual key verification with your contacts yourself, um, it provides additional uh, automatic security protections um, to keep your conversation safe um, just by enabling it through through some of these new features so um, there's this whole article um, that i wrote on our forum here if you want to learn more about how this works and how to turn it on or you can check out this video 
Um, I'll also link to Apple's security blog in the description. So if you're interested in learning more about like the technical specifics of how all this works, um, you can definitely go and check that out. Um, and I think that's all I had for security news this week. Now we can move into uh, news from our community um, and just the privacy community in general. Something I wanted to shout out really quick um, was that Proton uh, this week uh, announced their 2023 lifetime account fundraiser. Um, they do this kind of every year where they raffle off uh, lifetime visionary accounts basically so i think it's like ten dollars uh you can buy a raffle ticket and then you get a chance to win one of ten proton lifetime accounts and you can purchase that until january 1st uh this is a charity fundraiser it's for a good cause um all all, all of the proceeds along with an additional hundred thousand dollar contribution from proton are going to go to 10 different organizations that were nominated by uh proton's community members um, and then a portion of the funds will also go to support some of the past organizations that they've supported as well. Um, so you can see on the screen here, the 10 organizations they're supporting are Bellingcat, Freedom of the Press Foundation, Tor Project, Tactical Tech, Public Knowledge. Um, I'm not even going to try to pronounce this French organization. <laughs> um, Liberties, Bits of Freedom, uh, Forbidden Stories, and Doctors Without Borders. So... Uh, definitely a good cause. Um, a lot of journalism-focused organizations this year, but if you are a Proton member already and you want to contribute to these organizations and possibly win a lifetime account, it could be worth buying a raffle ticket or two and helping out. I think it's a good thing that they do this every year, and it's really good for them to uh, kind of bring attention to all these other privacy organizations that are doing a lot of work and need all of these tools. Um, finally, in community news, uh, something from at rolls ice cream on our form uh they posted in our project showcase category a privacy dns chooser script that they were working on um, they say that this very simple but very easy to use command line script allows you to choose quad 9 malvad next dns or other dns providers and use them on linux with the systemd uh DNS resolver package that comes with pretty much all Linux distros, and it has some additional features. Um, this isn't something that we've really checked out in too much depth, but we, we we like to shine a light on people working on new stuff in the privacy space, especially people in our own communities. So if you have any feedback on this, or if you want to check it out, or if you have any questions for this developer, uh, there's that project showcase category on our form where you can go and find this tool and a lot of other uh, cool stuff that people in our community have posted. So definitely check that out. Um, and I think that is everything as far as updates for this week. We really, <laughs> we really went through it all. Um, we want to continue publishing these updates, so we publish all of this to our blog, which you can definitely go and check out if you want links to all these resources or if you just want a text-based version of this to share with people. Um, and yeah, if you have any suggestions for things that we should cover next week, we try to cover a lot of the top stories that we see and then also like updates from the community, anything that you guys want us to add. So definitely let us know on our form. And if you have any questions about this, you can definitely leave a comment on this blog post or on this channel, on this YouTube live stream, wherever you want, we'll, we'll see it and we can get back to you. So 
I think that is everything for now, and I will see you all next week.